This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Wednesday, January 27th, 2020. Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host, for this daily dose of observation, insight, and a bit of absurdity along the way. Hoping you and yours are doing well, and that the last 24 hours has treated you nicely. And we're not going to have to take yesterday out back and deal with it. (laughs) Oh, we've hit the midweek. There are no camels in sight. It's not hump day. It's Wednesday. And uh, wowzer. Ah, man. I hope you're well. really do. I thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of the family. If you're a podcast subscriber, double thanks. Thank you so much. If you've decided to jump in on on the uh, YouTube Live, I appreciate you being there as well. If you uh, haven't joined the live version, maybe you should someday just to kind of hear how it actually goes down in progress because you don't get everything on the podcast, but uh, you, you get the meat. You just don't get everything. Sometimes weird stuff happens that podcast subscribers don't get to hear. Like when everything falls apart. That happens every now and then. Everything just falls apart. Yeah. And uh, it goes off the rails, and you get to hear how that gets dealt with (laughs) in real time. Oh, man, I might want to switch my graphic there. Speaking of YouTube Live, it is a dreary day in our neighborhood here. We have uh, thunderstorms, rain, nastiness. It's just not not a good-looking day. And we really, you know, we really could use some sunshine. It would be kind of nice. We had uh, storms the other day, lots of damage, very close by to us, just mere minutes away from us. And uh, I, uh, I, I, when I first saw the reports of the tornadoes coming through, it didn't click. Does that ever happen to you where you see a news story and you, you think, wow, that's bad. And then later you look back at it and go, wait a minute, that was just across the block over here. <laughs> well, that's what happened to me yesterday. It, was, it hit me, wait a minute, that was, that was just 10 minutes away from the house here. And, and it, was, uh, it was a bumpy night. I slept, managed somehow, I slept through all of it. That's just me, though. I, I get up in the morning some days and my wife will ask me, did you hear all that last night? I'm like, what? Uh, she said, there was thunder, there was lightning, and everything was shaking. I thought for sure we were going to have to get up and go to the basement. I'm like, not me. I didn't hear it. I apparently can sleep through a, a bombing run. I, I just, apparently I can. And when I'm out, I am out. It's funny, the perception the next day is, guys didn't sleep worth a crap. But apparently I can. When I sleep, I sleep. So I didn't hear any of the noise. But eh, here we are. Let's see. What have we got happening today? There's a lot happening today. Uh, Rand Paul had some things to say on the floor of the Senate. And I'm going to play his statement in its entirety for you. Uh, probably after the break. We'll see. Um, we're learning that that everything that you were warned about before Joe Biden was elected is coming true. The biggest part of it is that he is a compulsive, habitual, and lifelong liar. And he lied, of course, in his campaign assurances to his his base about many things he was going to do. There are trending items on social media today, which we won't get into on the podcast, but 
you can do a little of your own research and find these for yourself, that there is a lot, not just a little, there is a lot of voter remorse. You've heard of buyer's remorse. There is a lot of voter remorse on the Democrat side of things. They are very unhappy with their choice for president because, well, because he's not doing enough. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) He's already taken in his first three days. He has done things which are going to destroy this nation. (laughs) He, the, the Democrats are looking at passing HR one. I, I encourage you to look at that yesterday to go. I mentioned it yesterday. I encourage you to dig into what HR one is. And I will, I will, let me, in the break, I'll do some digging and I'll see if I can pull up HR1. I didn't intend to talk about it today, but now that I brought it up, I might as well. But the Democrats are wanting to radically redesign the way this country works. In fact, your state, if they pass HR1, your state will no longer control how the vote is managed. It'll be controlled by the federal government. And I want you to think about how wrong that is. Because where you live is not like where the people in the state next to you live. People see things a little differently. They like life with a little bit of different flavor. They want things a different way. They see things differently. We all do. Not that either is better than the other. It's just I, I, I like a little sugar in my coffee. My wife likes it black. It's, it's, we like things a little bit differently. So when we try to mandate what everybody gets from a centralized location in a country that is truly as diverse as ours without imposed diversity, then we make a gigantic mistake because we pretend to understand how to meet the needs of every area of this country. And that's not possible. It's just not possible. Can't be done. It can't be done. That's why we are a nation of states, not one big state. We are a nation of states, and people, I I understand that you may have been born and raised where you are, but that is not necessarily how everything is for everyone. Our Population tends to move around based on employment needs and things like that. And so we don't always stay in the same place. We gravitate to places which suit our needs. And where we were didn't suit our needs, but where we are does. And possibly where you are doesn't suit your needs. But a couple of hundred miles away across the state line, your needs will be met in more than one way. And so you pick up and you move, whether that be for employment, education, or whatever, we move. Some of us spend our entire lives in the same state. Many of us do not. And we gravitate to places, as I said, because those places suit our personal preferences and our needs. And to assume that one centralized location can dictate the conditions in every one of those different places and have those conditions suit our needs is idiotic. It is short-sighted. It's brainless. But then again, that's leftism. Leftism is about power and control and the elite knowing what is better for you than you know 
for yourself. I've described it as shepherding in the past. I'm not alone in this. I've actually posted to social media the, the writing of other people who have, since I've started talking about this as being shepherded, are also using that same word. Because I'm not the only person who recognizes what's happening. Is that we have a class of people, that professional politician class, those progressives who feel like they are the intellectual and moral elite, who can better understand and more compassionately move our country in the direction it should be going than you and I do, who actually live in the country and work in the country and provide for our families in the country and deal with life out here in the country. Unlike those who, <laughs> who pretend to understand what they, un- that, that they know, they, they understand the things that, that are happening in our states and in our neighborhoods. They may have at one time lived in your city or your state, but if they've been in Washington, D.C. for more than a term, it's extremely likely that they don't understand what you're going through today because they live in a different world. You see, Washington, D.C. is not like the rest of the United States of America. It is a city built on politics. And politics is not the real world. You and I live in the real world. The politicians live in a city that lives on the imagination, on theory, on odd judgments of what you and I should be enjoying in our lives rather than what is real. And these people that we send to be us, and I I, I term it that way because I think that's a very accurate description of what's actually happening, and is that we send people, we elect people that we believe will best represent us, actually stand in our place in Washington, D.C., to represent our interests right here at home. We elect those people to do those to, to represent us in Washington, D.C., who are supposed to stand there in our stead. As if it was you. As if it were me. And it doesn't take them long to forget about you and me and to start focusing on how they're going to get reelected, especially those with two-year terms. They spend most of their time working on how to get reelected. And some of them are more focused on what their political party's goals are than your goals are at home. Is that right? Is that proper? Is that how things should be done? No. You send people to Washington, D.C. to stand in your place to deal with the issues that affect you at home in your state. And some other issues which affect the nation, such as our national security. But we don't send them to become become perpetual campaigners, which is what happens. And part of the reason for that is the 17th Amendment. They have... When the 17th Amendment was passed, 
they pulled a fast one. Essentially, the politicians told the folks back home in the states, you know what? Instead of instead of putting this burden on the uh, on the state, on the on the your elected officials in the state, that it, to choose who comes to represent you, why don't you just let us? handle that we will look at the issues we'll come home and present things to you and we will present our case and you decide who is best you as a people decide who is best to represent you and unbelievably they bought it they bought it it's just bizarre that they did because when they did they took the power away from us to decide what was actually best. You see, you and I vote for people who are part of the state legislature. We trust those people close to home, somebody we can pick up the phone and talk to, somebody we can get in the car and go visit. We trust them to make the decision about who goes to D.C. to be us in D.C. That makes sense. The vast majority of people making that decision doesn't make sense because when these people advertise, they can make claims which probably aren't true. And they can solicit money for campaigns and outspend someone else who would actually be better suited for the job. And your state legislature would understand who actually is best suited for the job, and that is who they would send. In large part, based on the majority in control of your state legislatures. When you take that process away and give it to the individual politician, that individual politician becomes much more susceptible to corruption through donations, campaign donations, which is why you see your senators campaigning everywhere but in your state. They're going to fundraisers in California and New York. It's because they're going where the money is, not where you are, because you don't have enough money to buy the campaign they need to succeed. There's not that much money in your state. That's how corrupt the 17th Amendment has made everything. It needs to be repealed so that we can get back to a level of sanity and real representation. Oh, yeah. They should also be limited to a certain number of terms. Welcome back. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast, midweek edition, Wednesday, the 27th of January, 2021. I just had that moment. It's 2021. It's a moment I've had before, but wow, it's 2021. Yikes. It's 2021. We have a new president. Whether you agree with his election or not, I do not. I really think... There was a lot of funny business going on. A lot of funny business which has not been thoroughly investigated. And you can you can always tell that the left <clears throat> the left is more interested in pushing the agenda than they are in looking for the truth. When they shut you down and say, "Yeah, but this said uh, they said this, they said that." Uh, William Barr, the Attorney General, said that it was all you know. There was no. There was no uh, fraud. All of these people said there was no, not enough fraud. There's no widespread fraud. There's no proof of this, no proof of that. And when you hear that coming from all the leftists, then you know 
Mm, that's the that's the officially issued talking talking point. There are set phrases that they use the same terminology again and again and again, and it never varies. You can watch one of them and then flip the channel and see another one and flip the channel and see another one and look online and see more, and they're all using the same terminology. It's because they all are lock, well, in lockstep, repeating the same lie, because they understand that repeating that same lie enough will eventually convince enough uninformed, low-information people that it's true. And I, and I deal with these people on social media on a fairly regular basis. Friends, people I wouldn't alienate, people I care about, but they still they base everything on what the leftist low-information talking point media tells them. And they don't look any deeper. And if you challenge them to look deeper, then they label your sources as being radical, right-wing, and unreliable. Yeah. Well, now we have a president who we told you beforehand was a liar, a congenital, compulsive, lifelong liar. He has lied about practically everything in his life. He made two promises which defined his campaign. Joe Biden's first promise was that he would not ban fracking. The second was that his administration would shut down the novel coronavirus. It only took Biden one day in office to prove to the American people both promises were flat-out lies. An innovative method for extracting fossil fuels deep in the ground, fracking has been a key in creating jobs for American workers. The practice has also helped America gain energy independence. And you know, every presidential candidate says, we're going to be energy independent. It doesn't matter if they are Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. They all, they all preach energy independence. They all do. Barack Obama did, Joe Biden did, every, they all do. And then afterwards, they cripple us and keep us from becoming energy independent. Not so with Donald Trump. Not so. The left's hell-bent crusade to slow climate change, which although a very real phenomenon, we don't know if we cause it or not. It is actually, climate change happens. It has always happened. So don't get that part wrong. Don't throw out the real science with the fake science. The climate's constantly changing. The earth is constantly warming and cooling. Things change. We know from the fossil records, we know from everything that we have studied, that climates were different at different periods in time. We had massive ice coverage on the planet. We have no ice coverage on the planet. We have lots of rain. We have drought. We have the con- it's changing. The, the assumption to the advantage of a certain set of people is that we are contributing to it. We don't actually know if we are or not because... We can't get the truth out of people because there's a political agenda. Well, that, that, it's not, it's far from an an existential threat. Climate change has steered the party toward favoring a ban of all fracking, the Democrat Party. During During the Democratic primaries, Biden had no qualms about voicing his desire to put a ban on fracking. CNN's Dana Bash asked him during the July 2019 primary debate, would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? 
His answer was, no, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those any fossil fuel. Furthermore, during an exchange with a voter in Claremont, New Hampshire, one voter asked Biden, but what about, say, stopping fracking? The president replied with a simple, yes. Later, during the presidential debates, Biden lied and claimed he had never supported a ban on fracking in a clear attempt to win over more voters. Many liberals have nevertheless defended Biden. Rachel Sandler, for example, argued in a Forbes article last Thursday that Biden kept his campaign promises on fracking. In her view, since Biden, quote, does not even have the power to ban fracking nationally, end quote, and his fracking ban only applies to federal land, he did not technically break his promise about instituting a ban. Ah, and now you see, leftism is all about technicalities. Responding to Sandler's assertions in a Friday article, however, David uh, Harsanyi of the National Review criticized Sandler's irrelevant observation. In Harsanyi's view, arguing that Biden didn't ban fracking because he can only do so on federal land is, quote, tantamount to arguing that Donald Trump never supported a wall on the southern border because he didn't have the power to unilaterally build it. The truth is plainly obvious. Biden lied about banning fracking. He was always going to. He lied. Before the coronavirus hit, with the American economy booming, Trump's re-election chances looked stronger than ever. Then, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, economic devastation swept across the land. Biden made it one of his key campaign promises that his, his administration would shut down the virus more effectively than Trump had. Whether fair or not, the sitting president's always blamed for an economic downturn, regardless of the circumstances. Trump was no different. Anyone who'd been paying close attention throughout the pandemic knew this to be a ridiculous notion. Biden's actions thus far have proved his inability to follow through on such a promise. He previously opposed Trump's China travel ban, undermined the public trust in a vaccine developed under the Trump administration, and, according to Biden's own chief of staff in, in 2009, already botched one ap, uh, ap, uh, pandemic. Nevertheless, Biden's insistence on fixing the issues caused by the pandemic, as well as the public's willingness to blame Trump for said issues, helped him secure that 2020 win. After taking up the presidential office, however, this career politician seems to have changed his tune. Now, it appears Biden is just as helpless at stopping the virus's spread as he suggested Donald Trump was. Last Friday, he said these words, There's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. That is Joe Biden. His words. There's nothing we can do. Over the course of his political career, Biden has shown he has no qualms about lying to the American people, especially when those lies are to his political benefit. Thankfully, if the public's response to his first few days in office is, is any indication, America, Americans are starting to wake up to that fact. As I said on social media, there is a trend. There is a lot of voter remorse. People are unhappy with Joe Biden. There's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. It's interesting that he says that on a Friday. And then on a Monday, 
just a few days later, a handful of days, just a few, just a stack of hours later, what are we seeing in the news? They're recalculating the way that they, uh, they measure the coronavirus in testing to eliminate false positives because a lot of these numbers can't be real. And what have we been saying for almost a year now? What have we been saying? That we suspect the numbers. That we think the numbers are wrong. That we think a lot of things are being attributed to coronavirus, which have nothing to do with coronavirus. A lot of death numbers have been stacked up, which were not the coronavirus. And we have heard from... We have heard from coroners, we've heard from from uh, medical offices across the country that they're being required to call many things coronavirus deaths, which were not, including motorcycle accidents, drownings. And so this has been suspect for quite some time. And now they're shifting the scales. Now... Leftists in charge of leftist states across America and cities across America are insisting that we need to open things back up again. What we've been saying for months upon months. Now that they've managed to eliminate Donald Trump, now they're changing their tune. Isn't it obvious by now that they've been playing with the lives of Americans just for power and control? Well, welcome on board. I'm glad you're here. There's a seat right over there. Just uh, listen, when they come around with the drinks and stuff, it's on me, all right? I'm just glad you're here. It's the Wednesday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Mark Congleton here. You're there. It's a good arrangement. I've got the keys to the truck. You just let me drive, all right? Oh, my. I want to play something for you, some audio for you. Um, let me see. Is this where I want to do this? Yeah, I'm going to do that in, I think, the next in the next segment, or maybe right after. I've got one more story I need to get to before I play you that. Um, you know this this impeachment thing that's going on. It's a dog and pony show. It's it's political theater. Uh, it is symbolic, and the entire intent of it is to insult, damage, destroy an individual, the guy who was just voted out as president. Now, in the real big picture, in the, in the way things really work, in real life, the people who should be making the decision about who, who is president and who is not president, that's you and, you and I. We should be making that decision. And so if you just look at things through that, that lens, then the voters have spoken. You may disagree with the outcome of the election. I do. But, and you may be very suspicious about how it all happened. I am. But still, the election has set the stage, has said, okay, you're out of here. This next guy is who we want. That's what the election is for. That is why we have elections. So we, the people, make that decision. And honestly, 
that decision should be enough to tell the person who has been voted out of office, well, we don't want you around anymore. Take your ball and go home. That should be enough. And it should be enough as a sign to everyone. Well, that guy lost his, uh, his re-election bid. That guy didn't make it. And we've seen that happen again and again in our nation's past, where somebody has taken the, the office, they were voted in, and over the span of four years, they proved they couldn't do the job or that they were just basically undesirable, unlikable people. And the people rallied and said, nope, we want this guy, and you're out. And this is what's happened several times during our nation's history as an incumbent didn't get reelected. And so that should, as I said, that should be enough so that people can look back and say, wow, he was, you know, he couldn't even get reelected. People were so unhappy with that person. Wow. That, and that honestly, when you think about it, that kind of marks you as a failure. And if not being elected to a second term marks you as a failure at the top job in your country, that's pretty much enough of an insult. You did a bad job. No, go home. But the Democrats, who I believe rigged this election because the incumbent got a historic number of votes, more votes for re-election than any incumbent ever in the history of this nation. He literally was on his way to a landslide win when we all went to bed election day. He was on his way. It was happening. And then the next day, suddenly things changed. Then we began to hearing the stories about all these, all these battleground states, these key states, shutting down their counting in the middle of the night. And then when they restarted, Joe Biden was ahead in city after city after city across the country. And we all said, well, something's fishy about that, isn't there? Which is why most of us, rational, reasonable people, informed people, believe that this election was fraudulent. And the person sitting in the White House today is there because of fraudulent practices on the part of the Democrat Party across America. But it's not enough for the incumbent to lose. They have to continue the distraction. And please, make no mistake, that's all this is. It's distraction from the reality that the incumbent, Donald J. Trump, was on his way to a win with a historic amount of votes for re-election. No incumbent has ever been re-elected by such a large number of votes. And yet, he was still defeated. There are all these things that happened that point to his, his victory, but he was still defeated. But they've got to drag him through the mud afterwards, after he's out. Well, 45 Republican senators voted against holding an impeachment trial for former President Donald Trump over his remarks at the U.S. Capitol saying it would be unconstitutional to impeach a former president. All but five GOP senators sided with an effort proposed by Senator Rand Paul sending a signal that there are not enough votes to convict Trump. Convicting a president during a Senate impeachment trial requires a two-thirds majority. Republican Senators Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Pat Toomey, voted with the Democrats to reject Paul's order. 
suggesting the five senators will vote to convict Trump. Romney was the only Republican senator to vote to convict Trump during his first impeachment trial in early 2020. And I would suggest that if you live in any of their states, Utah, Nebraska, Maine, Alaska, Pennsylvania, that you get busy and find people to replace these senators. Because they clearly, clearly don't understand your views, and they don't represent you. The Senate ultimately voted 55 to 45 to table Rand Paul's point of order, meaning that the impeachment trial will go forward. The House voted to impeach Trump earlier this month on the sole impeachment charge of incitement of insurrection, with Democrats claiming he incited violence at the U.S. Capitol earlier in the month. Trump called on the protesters not to engage in violent acts and later told them to go home in peace. Trump's the first president to be impeached twice and the first president to undergo an impeachment trial after leaving office. Ahead of the vote, Paul warned that he wanted to force his colleagues to go on the record. Quote, if we're going to put every politician in jail, are we going to impeach every politician who has used the words fight figuratively in a speech? Shame. I want this body on record. Every last person here. He added, as of noon last Wednesday, Donald Trump holds none of the positions listed in the Constitution. He's a private citizen. The presiding officer is not the chief justice, nor does he claim to be. His presence in the chief justice's absence demonstrates that this is not a trial of the president, but a private citizen. Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma, a Republican, issued the following statement after he voted to support Paul's point of order on the constitutionality of the trial of a former president. Quote, this is not a trial. This is, the pol- this is political theater. You cannot remove someone from office who is already out of office. In this trial, there is no current president, no chief justice, and no possibility someone could be removed from office because they are not in any office. In a moment when our nation needs to unite, this trial will only create even deeper divisions. While a number of Republican senators have faulted Trump's speech to demonstrators as a group breached the U.S. Capitol during the joint session of Congress, many have said it's problematic to impeach a president who doesn't hold office. By the way, what they point to in his speech, the words he said which they say inflamed these people and caused them to do what they did, were said while these people were already at the Capitol. They had already left the speech. They had already left the area and had gone to do what they wanted to do. His words didn't inflame these people. This was something they had determined to do, and it was why they were there. They didn't go there and then suddenly decide to go storm the Capitol building. They went to Washington, D.C. for the purpose of storming the Capitol building. And as I've said before, yeah, there was some wrongdoing. There was some, bra- there was some breaking of things. There was some theft. There were people in places that are restricted they should not have been. But for the most part, they were taking selfies, calling their friends on the phone, texting, posting to social media, not exactly burning the joint down because they had a problem. Any Republican who votes to convict Trump is sure to face blowback among the GOP base. Trump remains an enormously popular figure in the party. Representative Liz Cheney, the Republican from Wyoming, and about nine other Republican House members who voted to impeach Trump have faced significant criticism 
and primary threats. Pushing back against Republicans, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has stated that the trial is not unconstitutional. At least two Republicans, Romney and Murkowski, agreed with him. Schumer wrote on Twitter, quote, We need truth and accountability for Donald Trump's actions. His impeachment trial will move forward in the United States Senate. Several law experts, namely Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz, have argued the trial goes against the Constitution. Dershowitz told Fox News earlier in the month, it'll be unconstitutional, but that probably won't bother the senators. The Constitution's very clear. The subject, the object, the purpose of impeachment is to remove a sitting president. And there are two precedents. One is very obvious. When President Nixon resigned in anticipation of being impeached and removed, there was no effort to impeach him after he left office. But precedent and the Constitution don't matter to people who are lusting for power. They don't matter to people who want to make an example of someone who so deeply damaged everything they claimed was true and proved that what they claimed was true was a lie. You remember we were told by the previous administration that there was no returning to manufacturing and business as we knew it in the past. It couldn't happen. He even said that Donald Trump's claims to the contrary were some sort of magic. What's he going to do? What's he going to use? A magic wand to make that happen? Remember, Obama said that. And yet, he made it happen. Our economy had rebounded. Unemployment was at its lowest level in a long time. Minority unemployment dropped like a rock. Minority employment shot up. Everybody was doing better. The economy was thriving until COVID hit. And when COVID hit, the Democrats saw their opportunity and began the process of undermining the president. And now we are where we are today. This is all about destroying a president who proved that everything you've been told by the Democrats is a lie. They're afraid of him because people trust him. They're afraid he could get power again or guide others to power who will also legislate along the same lines. Sliding into this final segment for this Wednesday. Earlier I mentioned it's HR1. And um, I'm not going to have time to get into that today. But I am going to include a link in the show notes today over at linkreport.us. By the way, in case you haven't caught up to that yet, that's where show notes are now. Every day, the stories that uh, we talk about here, I put the links up on linkreport.us. So go there. And you will find today a, a report from Heritage, the Heritage Organization. And um, it's all about what's in the, the uh, HR1, the For the People Act. And for the people. I, this is just another insult to the intelligence of anyone who understands how our country works. Because what the Democrats are trying to do is to take away from the states 
what the states are supposed to be doing and manage it all centrally from Washington, D.C., as I explained earlier in the podcast. And I, I won't belabor that any further. I'll just say go to linkreport.us right now. Well, if you're on the, on the live feed on YouTube, not right now. Wait for a half an hour or so and then go check because it'll take me a little time to get things updated. But if you're listening to the podcast, it's already there. So go over to linkreport.us and have a look at the links for the stories for the day and check out that story about that report about HR1. You will be, if you're not shocked, the only reason you wouldn't be shocked is because you're already familiar with it. They're doing what they can to keep this as undercover as possible and to phrase it in such glowing positive terms as possible as much as they can to make it sound like they are everyone's hero and they're doing everybody a favor when actually what they're doing is they are taking things away from you and I and controlling things. We should never trust them to control. All of the questionable things that happened in this election, vote harvesting, the weird rules that were set up that allowed people to vote as as much as six weeks in advance, the, the mail voting, the distribution of ballots to people who never requested them. All of the problematic things that we saw happen in this election are enshrined in this bill as federal law. You need to look at it. Now, let's go over to what Rand Paul had to say when he basically demolished the room on the floor of the Senate. This impeachment is nothing more than a partisan exercise designed to further divide the country. Democrats claim to want to unify the country, but impeaching a former president, a private citizen, is the antithesis of unity. Democrats brazenly appointing a pro-impeachment Democrat to preside over the trial is not fair or impartial and hardly encourages any kind of unity in our country. No, unity is the opposite of this travesty we are about to witness. If we are about to try to impeach a president, where is the Chief Justice? If the accused is no longer president, where is the constitutional power to impeach him? Private citizens don't get impeached. Impeachment is for removal from office, and the accused here has already left office. Hyperpartisan Democrats are about to drag our great country down into the gutter of rancor and vitriol, the likes of which has never been seen in our nation's history. Instead of doing the nation's work with their new majorities in the House, the Senate, and the executive branch, Democrats are wasting the nation's time on a partisan vendetta against a man no longer in office. It's almost as if they have no ability to exist except in opposition to Donald Trump. Without him as their boogeyman, they might have to legislate and to actually convince Americans that their policy prescriptions are the right ones. Democrats are about to do something no self-respecting senator has ever stooped to. Democrats are insisting the election is actually not over, and so they insist on regurgitating the bitterness of the election. This acrimony they are about to unleash has never before been tried. Why? Because calmer heads have typically prevailed in our history. 
and allowed public opinion to cast blame where blame is deserved. This sham of an impeachment will ostensibly ask whether the president incited the reprehensible behavior and violence of January 6th when he said, I know everyone here will soon march to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically, hardly words of violence. But what of Democrat words? What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will honestly ask whether Bernie Sanders incited the shooter that nearly killed Steve Scalise and volunteer coach. The shooter nearly pulled off a massacre. I was there because he fervently believed the false and inflammatory rhetoric spewed by Bernie and other Democrats, such as the Republican health care plan for the uninsured is that you die. As this avowed Bernie supporter shot Steve Scalise, nearly killing him, and shot one of our coaches and two or three of our staff, he screamed, this is for health care. Ask me or anyone if that's incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Cory Booker incited violence when he called for his supporters to get, get up in their face of Congress people, a very visual and specific incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence when she literally told her supporters, and I quote, that if you see a member of the Trump administration at a restaurant, at an apartment store, at a gas station, or any place, you create a crowd and you push back on them. Is that not incitement? My wife and I were pushed and surrounded and screamed at by this same type of mob that Maxine likes to inspire. It's terrifying to have a swarm of people threatening to kill you, cursing at you and literally holding you hostage until police come to your rescue. That night we were assaulted by the crowd. I wasn't sure if we'd survive even with the police protection. But no Democrat has ever considered impeaching Maxine for her violent rhetoric. In fact, Republicans, to our credit, have never once thought it legitimate to formally censor or impeach these Democrats. No Republican has sought to use the government to hold these Democrats responsible for Antifa and Black Lives Matter violence that has consumed our cities all summer, resulting in over a billion dollars of destruction, looting, and property damage. Not one Republican said, oh, let's impeach the Democrats who are inciting this because it would be ridiculous. Many on the Democrat side of the aisle cheered them on. Kamala Harris famously offered to pay the bill for those who were arrested. I wonder if she'll be brought up on charges of inciting violence for that now that she's vice president. Should Kamala Harris be impeached for offering to pay for violent people to get out of jail who've been burning our cities down? No, and no Republican has offered that because we're not going down the road that Democrats have decided, this low road of impeaching people for political speech. Should Republicans impeach the Democrat mayor of Seattle, who incited and condoned violence by calling the armed takeover of part of her city a summer of love? Any Republicans try to impeach her? On June 8th, the New York Post, citing U.S. Justice Department statistics, reported that more than 700 law enforcement officers 
were injured during the Antifa Black Lives Matter riots. There were at least 19 murders, including 77-year-old retired police officer David Dorn. Yet Democrats insist on applying a test of incitement to a Republican that they refuse to apply to themselves. I want the Democrats to raise their hands if they have ever given a speech that says, take back, fight for your country. Who hasn't used the words fight figuratively? And are we going to put every politician in jail? Are we going to impeach every politician who has used the words fight figuratively in a speech? Shame. Shame on these angry, unhinged partisans who are putting forth this sham impeachment, deranged by their hatred of the former president. Shame on those who seek blame and revenge and who choose to pervert a constitutional process while doing so. I want this body on record. Every last person here. Is this how you think politics should be? Look, we've now got crazy partisans on the other side of the aisle trying to censor and remove two of the Republican senators for their political position. Now, look, I disagreed. I don't think Congress should overturn the Electoral College. But impeaching or censoring or expelling a member of Congress you disagree with? Is the truth so narrow that only you know the truth? We now have the media on your side saying there is only one set of facts, one set of truth, and you can only interpret it this way. Now we have seven senators on the other side trying to expel, censor, or impugn two senators on this side. And I defend them, not because I defend their position. I disagreed with their position. But you can't impeach, censor, expel people you disagree with. What's this coming to? In a few minutes, I will insist on a vote to affirm that this proceeding we are about to enter is unconstitutional, that impeachment of a private citizen is illegal and essentially a bill of attainder, and that no sense of fairness or due process would allow the judge in the proceeding to be a partisan Democrat already on favor of the impeachment. A sham, this is. A travesty. A dark blot on the history of our country. I urge my colleagues to reconsider this kangaroo court and move forward to debate the great issues of our day. With that, I'd like to uh, relinquish the last moment or two of my time to a senator from Wisconsin. And that's Rand Paul from the floor. From the floor. Pretty much spelling out exactly what this is. It's all a sham. It's a kangaroo court. It's political theater. The entire intent is to damage someone. Not to move the country forward, but to damage someone who is a threat to them, who they fear. Because that person represents the true majority of Americans who see through what they're doing and won't stand for it. So they have to fight. They have to keep working to undermine his integrity and his reliability, his the opinion of the people of this man. And that man is Donald Trump. And that's it for today. God bless you. Have a great one. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.